All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. It is another somber episode. After, for the eighth straight year, Texas Tech lines it up against Kansas State in football and comes out on the losing end. This time, 38-21, and you had to rely on your true freshman third-string quarterback for the second half of the game. And you decided, you know what, if we're going to have to rely on him, let's rely on him all the way. Let's just throw this ball deep. Let's forget about Taj Brooks in the backfield. We're going to talk about that second half a bit. We're going to talk about where Texas Tech goes the rest of this season because, quite frankly, you're almost, you're pretty much out of the Big 12 tile race. I mean, it, you you really just are out of it right now. And what can they gain? What some bright spots? What the heck happened defensively against a long-haired 18-year-old true freshman from Kansas State running all over you? And since we all need it, we're going to talk a little bit about the Astros and the Rangers. So we're not going to go play-by-play, drive-by-drive here against Kansas State at all. It's been a few days. Um, The replay would, quite frankly, still be just too painful to watch. But Texas Tech against Will Howard... You have to say, they contained Will Howard pretty well. He went 6 of 9, 86 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, really didn't do much, didn't get anything going on the ground, three attempts with a sack, by the way, no yards, really didn't get much going. And then Avery Johnson came in. And Avery Johnson, on his first drive, didn't do anything either. On his second drive, he ran for a touchdown on you. And after that first drive, I was thinking, okay, we may be okay. Because if y'all remember this Kansas State one, I said the one thing I didn't want to see was Avery Johnson come on the field. I didn't want to see Avery Johnson at all. We have struggled all year with quarterbacks that can run. And Avery Johnson is a quarterback who, well, he went 8 of 9 on you for 77 yards. So apparently he can throw too, but he can really run that ball. He had a total of 90 yards on 13 carries for five touchdowns. Over a third of his carries were touchdowns. And look, this was just a mismatch. You have Josiah Pierre as a middle linebacker and Ben Roberts. Josiah Pierre is a bit more experienced, but he's still very inexperienced at that inside linebacker position. Ben Roberts is very inexperienced at really every position. And I think both have played pretty well this year, but their biggest deficiency and the biggest deficiency of this team defensively is a quarterback that can run the ball and he ran over Texas Tech all day. And that's something that needs to be worked out. That that is something that needs to be worked out. Now, I'm a big fan of Tim DeRuiter. I think he's done a really good job. I don't think the stats quite back up how well of a job he's actually done. And you know, I said we had an advantage in the rushing defense. We clearly didn't. Treshawn Ward gashed you for 7.9 yards a carry. DJ Giddens was worse at 4.4, but still not a terrible clip. I mean, they just gashed you all day. It was, it felt like kind of like they quit in the second half defensively. Maybe not quit, but they were put in tough positions and gave up a bit. But the problem of this game, and I'm not saying you win this game if the offense is better. But this was Tim DeRuiter's first really bad game that I feel like. It's the first one where you're like, okay, that was just terrible. 
defensively. And it was up against a guy you didn't have much film on, but still a guy you should have been able to game plan all week that there is a good chance Avery Johnson comes in this game. Will Howard is the starting quarterback. He won them the Big 12 last year, but he lost a bad game last week in Stillwater and did not look good. There is a good chance we see a good bit of him, and we saw a ton of him in this game. But the problem that continues to exist for this team, because I feel like the defense will look better next week. Kendon Slovis, uh, the BYU quarterback, is not a good runner. I don't think that Texas Tech needs to worry about that against him. The problem for me is the offensive play calling. And it was multiple times in this game. And there were a few good calls. And don't get me wrong. There were calls where you could see Zach Kittley's creativity on that, on that first touchdown where you had the first and goal and you ended up with a fourth and goal from the one after a first and goal from the one, which I was I was in the stands, and I was banging my head. Why do we keep throwing wide receiver screens instead of trusting Taj Brooks? Hey, we're going to give him at least two to three carries down here. I think he may get a yard for us. I, I don't know. I He's one of the best running backs in the nation. I think it may not be insane for me to say I'd give that guy the ball a couple times and think that he could pick up a yard. I don't care about the looks that they were giving us. And now... There are some where it comes into play, and some of his wide receiver screens, especially on a third and goal, yeah, the numbers didn't make sense. So I'm not mad about that. I was annoyed. We didn't give him the ball at all. We didn't give him the ball at all in that possession. Or not possession, set of downs. Because if you go through the drive chart, and this team is not explosive, it was a 14-play drive, 75 yards, fine. You complete a pass to Xavier White to the two. You throw a wide receiver screen, incomplete pass, another wide receiver screen, and then Bear Morton runs it in for a touchdown. And there was some creativity in that play calling. I will cede you that. But why the heck are we at the two-yard line with one of the best backs in the nation and facing a fourth and goal after the previous three plays not even giving him the ball? I, I do not understand that for the life of me. For, for the love of God, am I going insane or should we maybe hand the ball off to one of the best running backs in the nation? A guy who consistently runs through contact on first and goal from the two, second and goal from the one, third and goal from the one. Why do we not try? Why don't we try that there? I I mean, for the love of God, or I don't care how many people they have in the box. I really don't. Win your battles. We had that play every Johnson when we were up 24-21. to 21. We called a timeout to stack the box. Had eight men in the box. Every Johnson ran about 30 yards untouched to, into the end zone. Kansas State didn't give a crap what we were giving them on that play. Why should we? And I get our offensive line isn't that great. But they're a better run blocking team than a pass blocking team, or better run blocking line than a pass blocking line. And you have one of the best running backs in the country. What are we doing? What are we doing? And again, I'm I'm not mad about all the, uh, about trying some wide receiver screens. I'm just saying, hey, maybe don't run that play 
more than you run the ball with your best running back in the country. And then further down the game, Barron Morton was getting banged up all the game. We we kind of expected that. K-State did have a good front seven. They had 14 sacks on the year coming into this game in five games. They were hammering Barron Morton, and he doesn't come out of the locker room at halftime. And you go to Jake Strong, and you barely run the ball with Tosh Brooks. You barely run the ball with Tosh Brooks, which, I don't know, man. I 18-year-old, 18-year-old true freshman, third stringer, didn't want to see him at all this year. Thought, thought, I mean, we didn't even give him a possession against Tarleton State. That's how much we didn't want to see him. And and no, that's not a knock on him. That's You had two good guys in front of him, and you want him to develop in the system. And he showed some guts, and none of this is on Jake Strong. This loss is absolutely not on Jake Strong. Maybe 1% or 2% since he was out there on the field. He did throw three picks. But he is a true freshman. Why in the world do we decide to air the ball, to air it out in the second half? Why are we... Why are we putting all that pressure on an 18-year-old true freshman third-string quarterback? In a game we could have won. We were down three coming out of half. We had a 99-play yard play or 99-yard drive. And to credit to him, um, Taj Brooks carried some of that load, but Jake Strong had a huge, huge run. Um, 54 yards to the Kansas State eight through a couple of incompletions. Uh, and then we ended up completing the ball to draw on Bradley for a touchdown. So credit to him there. My question is, and he, by the way, this was one of the highlights. You're down 14-17, and Jake Strong makes that play on third down, hangs in there as he is getting killed, and Jerron Bradley fights through pass interference to get a foot down in bounds, get the ball, get a foot down. And get a touchdown to give you some life. And then the really the end of the game, I felt like was when Avery Johnson torched you on that play. And then you come out, first play. First play, literally after Avery Johnson torches you for 30 yards, you are down three. And you, have, you force Jake Strong to throw it over the middle. Which over the middle is tougher for quarterbacks to read. Or young quarterbacks to read because there's more reads. There's more people in the way. And you're having him throw it under or over the middle and get picked off. They score a touchdown the next play, 31-21. And then you don't decide. Okay, there's still over 20 minutes left. There's still over 20 minutes left in this or 17 minutes left in this game. We can run the ball. We can get back in this. No, you, you decide to air it out and let Jake Strong have Jake Strong throw another interception. I mean, what are what are we doing offensively? What are we doing? What is the purpose of this? And I'm sorry, but Zach Hitley comes out in his post game interview, and or not post game, the Monday interview, and is saying, "Yeah, you know, there were some freshman mistakes." Whoa, whoa, whoa! No crap. He's a he's a true freshman. I I bet there were some freshman mistakes. He's playing the defending Big 12 champs. I bet there were some freshman mistakes. You know the guy behind him or by him? Taj Brooks, that guy, one of the best backs in the nation. You know that guy has some experience. You know that guy, he, he knows how to run the ball. 
Jake, I mean, Jake Strong played his butt off. Don't don't get me wrong. He took a massive hit and delivered a good ball to Jerome Bradley. Called his number on a speed option. Took it 50, 40 yards down the field. You saw flashes from Jake Strong in this game. But don't put him in that position. I get it if you want to dial his number up on third and seven. That's fine. On first and ten down three, what are we doing? For the love of God, you're going to have him throw it over the middle into a tight window with receivers that have struggled all year to get separation? I, I, I feel like I'm going crazy watching this game. Then you get people saying, oh, tech fans are the dumbest for criticizing. What do you mean? <laughs> that is common sense. You don't put a true freshman out there in that position who is a third string. You, you don't put him in a position. Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson threw less passes than Jake Strong. Avery Johnson played more than Jake Strong. He threw nine passes all game. Jake Strong threw 28 passes. We made this kid throw it 28 times. For the why? Why? You have Taj Brooks, he got 17 carries. And okay, you can come out. We're we're taking what the defense gives you. Okay, okay. A lot of those were six man in the box sets. If you're taking what the defense gives you and you say, okay, they have a physical front, we can't run Cameron Valdez, that's fine. I'm here for that argument. Run Nehemiah Martinez if Taj Brooks needs a break. Because Cameron Valdez, I get he's not the best run through contract contact. Nehemiah Martinez can run through contact. What? But no, we decide, you know what? Jake Strong, true freshman, third stringer. Hey, hey, air the ball out over the middle, man. God. It's honestly unbelievable. Um, Jake Strong, credit for him. Uh, he gave us some life in that game. He made a huge play, had a 99-yard touchdown drive. He messed up on some of those picks. He was not helped out by play calling, and you expect all those er errors from a true freshman. So where does Tech go from here? That's really what it all boils down to. Is Zach Hitley on the hot seat? Um, He should be. He should be. And now I will say this because I I don't want to be coming on here like a complete Zach Hitley hater. Zach Hitley... I, I don't believe was Joey McGuire's first, second, or third choice for OC. Obviously, Sonny Cumbie was hired before him. Zach Hitley did turn down some SEC schools to come here. He did have a really good offense at Western Kentucky and Houston Baptist, now Houston Christian. I, I do believe Zach Hitley will be a very good offensive coordinator one day. Without a doubt. I, I will... I'd bet anything on it that he's going to be a really good offense coordinator someday. The problem is he is 32 years old and he was not ready for this opportunity. He just, he probably wasn't. And you can see flashes of what makes, made him a good offensive coordinator. He has some really creative play calls. There are a few, few this past week that, you know, third down after I think he messes up on a second down. Or on fourth down after I think he messes up on a third down. That he has an impressive play call. And I, I was impressed with it. But it's just so inconsistent right now. He's just not he's just not seasoned enough. He, that that's the reality with Zach Hitley, is he's just not seasoned enough to be a great play caller. Um at the 
at this point, at this point of his career. And again, he's only 32 years old. I mean, this guy is going to get plenty more opportunities. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to say that nothing Zach Hitley's done has been important. He has been a part of these recruiting classes. He has been a part of good offensive coordinating games. The last two games, I thought he did just fine as an offense coordinator. I thought he looked really good. And then he comes out in this one and gets under some pressure, like we saw in Laramie, and craps the bed, quite frankly. He, he... He's just not at the level that you need an offense coordinator at right now. And now, I'm not saying that we should fire him midseason. One, that's not happening. Two, I think he deserves more than that. I don't think he's been that bad. I, I think he's been bad. I don't think he's been that bad. And also, he did turn down SEC schools to come to Texas Tech that may have been paying him, may have offered to pay him more. I don't think you fire that guy midseason. I don't. And quite frankly, if he turns around in the last next five games, I'd be more than happy. Keep him around. I, you know, I, I want him to be successful. You have to pay for his buyout. He chose to come here over other schools. I want him to be successful. My concern with Zach Hitley is he's just not ready for a Power 5 job at this moment. And to be clear, I want to state this for the record. He is far and away... An upgrade over date over Yost, far and away, far and away. But still, you cannot be making these mistakes. And on that fourth and three, I want to go through this because this comes into something that's gonna persist with Joey McGuire. So I've gotten to the point where I don't question it when he goes on fourth down. I know what the analytics say. And on that fourth and three, where we threw it down the right sideline of the field. For the love of God, on fourth and three, with the true freshman quarterback, we throw it down deep down the right side of the field to, yes, our most talented receiver, but one who hasn't gotten much separation. The stats that came out on it, you have a 41% chance to win it if you go for it there. You have a 37% chance to win it if you don't go for it. So it's a 4% difference. With Baron Morton, with Tyler Shuck, okay, go for it. If the analytics say it, go for it. It worked for us against Texas. It's worked for us against other teams. I'm okay going for it there. The problem is you have a red, you have a true freshman quarterback. If you don't think you're going to get a run look against them, then punt the ball. Just punt the ball. If you're not going to get a run look there, it's not worth the 4%. There has to be some gut feeling. And this is coming from Joey McGuire, not Zach Hitley. I'll get to his part of this play later. There has to be a gut feeling in these analytics. And the majority of the time, I'm completely okay with it. And you can say throw the ball to the tight end over the middle. True. Mason Tharp's also out. He's your 6'9 tight end. He's your best target in that. And you do have a 6'6 one in Baylor Cup. But you got to figure they're going to be smothering him. So, punt the ball. If they're going to stack the box, if they're going to focus on Baylor Cup, just punt the ball or throw a short route. That that was I feel like that was more of Joey McGuire's mistake for going for it there because there has to be gut decision making. And that's really the first fourth down that I've had a massive problem with 
in a while with him. But I think at that point, you just got to punt the ball. You just got to punt the ball. Your defense at that point had given up 24 points, put them in a good position, trust that they can get the stop, try to flip the field a bit for Jake Strong. Maybe you can force an error. Maybe you can force a turnover. But don't make your true freshman, third-string quarterback, throw it 30 yards down the field. That just made no sense. And that was a bad play call, by the way. But I think that Zach Hitley was put in a bad spot there. And we're going to have more of a preview on BYU tomorrow. I'm going to go through some recent games of them, their film, get some stats. We'll go through all that tomorrow. Look at places that we can exploit, places that they can beat us on. But there is some news that we need to get to, and it's not quite news. So Baron Morton, we all know he left the game. Joey McGuire said after that he thinks there's a good chance he starts. I don't think he starts. I think by the sounds of it, he is not going to be at that game. And Joey McGuire did come out and dispel the concussion rumors, which were kind of rumored because Baron Morton could have clearly thrown the ball out of play. <laughs> um, like... Instead of running out of bounds for a four-yard sack, uh, that people thought he was concussed from that. He's apparently not, according to Joey McGuire, his shoulder and the back. But that means Jake Strong is the starter. Brady Boyd, Quinn Ewers' high school receiver, would be the backup quarterback in Provo if Baron Morton can't go. Now, you may be wondering, well, don't we have a fourth one, Will Burns? We do. But the NCAA has these rules that if you're on multiple teams, your scholarship has to be absorbed by the football team, which means that there you can't really play him. They don't have an open scholarship. They cannot play Brady Boyd in this game. So we don't know who our third string is, and our second string is probably going to be a wide receiver. And Jacob Rodriguez, who, by the way, went to Virginia to play quarterback, he's also out too. So that's not even an option. So we're really, really in the doghouse. Jake Strong, good chance he's our guy. Please, for the love of God, Zach Hitley, do not run this man. Do not run him. Because I do not want to be talking about, all right, are we playing Brady Boyd or Colt Eakin? Because I told you all after the West Virginia game, Man, if this keeps continuing, we're going to be talking about are we playing uh, Will Burns or Jake Strong. That's going to be our new QB debate. We are at a point now where our new QB debate maybe. all right, which wide receiver is going out there at QB? <laughs> that is how bad this thing may get. This thing could get. And it is horrible injury luck. This season would look a lot better without it. And the Tyler Shuck injury is obviously not on Zach Hitley, but man, I I still don't get why we ran Baron Morton so much in that West Virginia game. I mean, he practiced on Friday this past week, and that was it. He practiced Friday, and that was it. That's, that's the only in-week practice he's gotten since West Virginia. Makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. But anyways, the Rangers, just a bit of good news. The Rangers are up. Well, not good news for me, but good news for y'all, most of y'all. Rangers up 2-0 over the Astros. Man, the top of the order, 
quite frankly, everybody but Jordan Alvarez has been letting the Astros down right now. It, it has been ugly. So in game three, it's probably going to be Christian Javier against Max Scherzer. I got to say, as an Astros fan, the Astros absolutely dominated the Rangers in Globe Life. I'm not going to be one of those Astros fans that says, oh, it's going to be like another home game for us. It's not. that Globe Life is going to be packed with Rangers fans. I'm sure there'll be a good amount of Astros fans there, but I don't think it's going to be that close to 50-50. And Max Scherzer, so the problem with him, he has not pitched in a long time. He is coming off an injury. I'd be worried if I was a Rangers fan, especially the problem with putting him in game three. If he gets shelled early, you're going to the, your pin very early, and you don't only have a game Wednesday, you have a game Thursday and Friday. The key to that, if the Astros can knock Scherzer out of the game early and decimate the Rangers bullpen, which, by the way, has been good this postseason, but was terrible in the regular season. If they can do that, they can get right back in this series. They've been good at Globe Life all game, but really the key for the Rangers is going to be keeping the top two hitters, Altuve and Bregman and Tucker, in their slumps right now. Or maybe not slumps for Tucker, but Altuve and Bregman. And I still think the Rangers win this series, but man, this game... This game three tonight could get very dicey for the Rangers if Scherzer struggle, struggles early. If he doesn't, I think the series is pretty much done and dusted at that point. I think if Scherzer gives them a good start, they're going to get at least one, probably two in Arlington, and then go pick off one if they need it in Houston. I think the Rangers are going to win the series. They, quite frankly, are the high, hottest team in baseball. Hottest lineup in baseball. And I was telling people, you know, we had that. Josh Young had that really good play in the ninth inning. I was glad if anyone was going to break my heart, it was Josh Young. But before I get out of here and go watch a lot of film on BYU tomorrow, if y'all can, quite frankly, the best thing y'all can do for me, because it's been a tough time for all of us here, help me out. Give us a five star review. Rating and review. If you go ahead and give a review, send a picture of that into jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com. We'll get you a free koozie in the mail. And we will be back here tomorrow after most likely another Rangers win. Because none of my teams can win right now. Except the Texans, which I cannot believe I am saying that.